So at the Inside Finance Cafe, I have a bias towards Warren Buffett. This week will make no exception. So we have we will discuss one article in which Buffett claimed that if he had been a female, his life would have been different. You think uh, on interest rates, and the other one is with his uh, his pal Charlie Munger that has uh, some inter very interesting to share with us. So my name is Pierre Poulain. Like I told you, I'm with the Inside Finance Cafe podcast, and I hope you have some fun. As usual, I will give you the, uh, the the link in the podcast page. This article is by Kathleen Elkins of the uh, website CNBC.com. And the title of the, it's a very good clickbait, if you will. Warren Buffett, if I had been a female, my life would have been entirely different, you think? <laughs> but he, he talks about, you know, the talking points in there. Yeah, yeah, we they talk about what Buffett is worth like $85 billion. He's 88 years old. And he says, I, I like it, it's uh, the womb from which you emerge determines your fate to an enormous degree for most of the 7 billion people in the world. So he told that in, in, to uh, journalist Rebecca Jarvis in 2013. He said, just in my own case, I was born in 1930. I had two sisters that have every bit the intelligence that I had, have every bit the drive, but they didn't have the same opportunities because in 1930 to be born a female was not that great as far as opportunities goes. In short, if I had been a female, my life would have been completely different. And he made a similar point at a Berkshire Hathaway's annual shareholder meeting in 1997. And I remember that because I read that and I, in my book, that is written in French. Sorry for you, my English friends, but uh, you have enough books of, on Baron Buffett in English. So you don't, you don't need a, a 59th one in, in, a, in more. Uh, so it was written for my friends in French. So yeah. Uh, I, I wrote a bit, a piece on that in, in, in the book because it struck me very as a stroke of genius and of such self-awareness. I will read the, the, the paragraph for you. You don't know whether you're going to be born black or white. You don't know whether you're going to be born male or female, he explained. You don't know whether you're going to be born infirm or able-bodied. You don't know whether you're going to be born in the United States or Afghanistan. So he says that, just like that. that just picture me for two minutes. Just close your eyes and imagine... A white male, fully able, born in the United States, just that. You have a white male, no problem, no infirm, and being born in the United States. And then you have a black female, infirm, born in Afghanistan or in Africa. Both have the same, let's say, the same soul, the same ability to, to, to do mathematics, the same ability to do calculation, the same, everything but those two things. And they, those two are arbitrary. They are a lottery ticket. <laughs> Warren Buffett calls them the ovarian lottery. And it's humbling. And when you think about that, how lucky we are to be born, let's say, fully able if we, you have to be born. It's not better uh, as far as a characteristic, but it's maybe easier to be born white than to be born black because of all the... <laughs> when I look at everything that's happening and just that, the color which you, you, you can get arrested for that because people are suspicious and stuff like that. It breaks my heart. It breaks my... Every time I, I see that. So it's very, very, very... 
endearing for me and refreshing. And I just hoped <laughs> I told I told my my life partner uh, the other day that I hope that there will not be a scandal like with. Uh, uh, Bill Cosby or things like that. Before him. I would be so disappointed if a scandal would erupt about his life or something like that. It has been a fraud of his life. I would be so disappointed. But today, to date, there is no disappointment. So he made that point. So we we are very very lucky. And the research they said that the research backed his claim that the circumstances that you are born into strongly affect your success. Being born rich is far more helpful in life than being born gifted. Uh, the Washington Post reports, the Post reports, economists found genetic endowments and are distributed almost equally among children in low income and high income. Success is not so. People that are not intelligent, we you have at you know you have uh, people that are not intelligent. I will be polite uh, in high income and low income, and you have bright people in low income and high income. But the success that they behold it's not the same for example he said and that's the least gifted children on of high income parents graduate from college at higher rates than the most gifted children of low income parents um, so they said buffett and his business partner charlie munger both won the, the ovarian lottery buffett said in the 1997 shareholders meeting and their good fortune contributed significantly to their success uh, he said we won partially because we were born male and when I was growing up you know women had they could be teachers secretary and nurses but never, I told you about that so that's a very nice point he makes so very humble and the second one in, in which he continued he said in the same vein Buffett ha has often talked about how grateful he is to be where he is today and that mindset may contribute to his success studies shows again that grateful people are more likely to be happy and successful so just to be aware of your situation and to, to be grateful is greatly uh, helping you and we continue self-made billionaire oprah winfrey uh, she tracked the things that she was grateful for in a gratitude journal for a decade for 10 years even i was surprised for that one not for oprah but the next in 2014 mark zuckerberg challenged himself to write one thank you note a day i don't know how many and i don't know if it is a, a facebook post or a like on facebook but he but he says he's a thank you note but if it is a written note that's a very very nice thing and shark tank uh, star robert herjavec says that taking the time to be thankful for where you are in life is key to a career success so yes of course you have the ovarian lottery and you your people your parents but to be grateful about that is uh, is a very very powerful thing and in another book i wrote in french sorry again the le banquier qui avait laissé tomber des chiffres the banker uh, the philosopher banker actually there were seven keys and the seventh key uh, when i wrote that in 2001 and then it's been uh, it's been uh, translated but it's not published yet but yes so whatever Mm, I was talking about the grateful. The, 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 that, is, that is the seventh key to be grateful, to be thankful, to be. And we just passed in October eighth the uh, uh, the Thanksgiving weekend that we have in Canada here about that. And it's very, very, very important to be grateful in life. So I like it when my I would not say my mentor, but my inspiration about finance, Warren Buffett. He says that that and uh, you know they they are recycling articles there here and there in in the biz but i don't mind and it's a reminder for all of us and it's the in its day and age where we are right now i think we, we need some uh, encouragement we need some light some things that give us uh, 
I would say a smile, but some wisdom. And when it can come from old scholars like 1,000, 2,000 years ago, when it's fun when it is uh, somebody who's still alive and has made it and has not lost his, his soul. He's worth $85 billion, but he's still talking some, some truth and being so... I like it. Just hope he will not turn to Bill Cosby. Uh, the other article, it was in the yes, CNBC. I will give you the, the link. And it's from Tay Kim. And this one is about the interest rate. So Warren Buffett on why interest rates matter so much for investing. Of course, the, the, one, the number one reason is when you are a value investor and when you, you're not speculating, when you're not trying to buy and sell a company in a day, a year, or something very, very short term, you are interested in the, uh, the, uh, the money, the benefits, the, the profits the company made. And when you try to value the company now, you are trying to um, take the, the future value of the profits, let's say 5, 10, 20 years from now, and to put them now in, in today's value to act to... Um, to put them, I don't know, I don't the the, the word stiffs my in my tongue, but to put them uh, in the in this um, the value right now, okay, that we have, and the interest rate will change everything because if you have a fifteen percent interest rate, a dollar of profit in twenty years is worth way way less than if you have let's say an interest rate of two percent. So the right now we are flirting at 3.5 percent. So it changes the way we address future profits. Uh, and the way we discount, yeah, okay, that's right, the discounting rate. So the, the way we discount them in the present moment and when you value companies, you don't speculate on them, interest rate play a big, big role uh, in your equation. The first place in your equation that plays a big, big role is how secure you are for the, the future profits of company. That's why Buffett talked always about the moat and uh, the, the advantage the company have. But the second thing most important is the interest rate because it, it is counting as a discount rate. The other thing is when the uh, bonds uh, rates are very much higher, uh, you are more tempted to put your money in the bond. If the interest is like zero or close to zero at 1%, you don't want to invest in bonds. But when it, 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 it attains or it reaches 3.5, there is a, like a threshold, there is a, a place there when it is in these rates, then you see, you know what, I will, maybe I will not say no to a bond. It, to have a secure, nice payment of 4% per year, I don't have to stress. The uh, uh, inflation rate is 2%, you know, it gives me a nice secure income. So the, the, the bond becomes a, a, a competitor to the, the stock market. Thirdly, when the interest goes up, um, the companies, the cost to borrow money uh, goes up too. So the, it, it, it creates a pressure on the benefit, on the margin, on the future profit. So it goes twofold. The future profit are discounted to a rate that is greater and that gives a present value that is lower. And second, the future profits may be less because the interest rate that company will pay to fund their operation will be higher. So interest rate is like the rust, I would say, to the stock market. It is very bad. And when we have a fear of just the fear, the smell of a fear of a hike, the stock market re, re, uh, uh, react very, very, very sharply and very instantly. Are you able to to be able to predict it? It will not be today's uh, today's podcast, and it's very very difficult to predict the things in particular. But just tell you, I remember I talked you uh, talked to you about this one about one or two podcasts ago. In the last twenty years, if you take out the twenty best days, if you were not in the market for the twenty best days of the last twenty years, 
you will cut your um, return in half. Never forget about this one. All right. So this the third article. It is called Warren Buffett's right hand man, Charlie Munger, on avoiding painful failure. It's by it's by Brian Collins. It's from the Forbes um, website, and it's again it's a recycling. It's funny that I because. I have always things that Google search for me and each and every other day they, they send me articles that have been written about Warren Buffett and stuff. And this one is about Munger, but because Warren Buffett was in the title, they, they sent it to me anyway. But it is a, another rehash or recycle. It's interesting how it's a comment here on the uh, the way that the, the websites and the editorial and the writing goes. Nothing especially new as far as an interview, but they are creating an article about something that Charlie Munger said in 2007. Isn't that interesting? Is it because they have nothing to say or is it because it's a classic and it's always good? I would think it's because it's a classic and it's always good. So Munger, when he says in his 2007 address, again, I know I repeat myself, but I'm a teacher at heart and a coach at heart, so I repeat myself. I will put all the links in the page of the podcast in the podcast page, if you will. So he says, equal isn't always right. So Munger loves citing the example of basketball coach John Wooden. When Wooden was coaching at UCLA, he said that the bottom five players on his team, you don't get to play, you are you are practice partners, that harsh. Instead, Wooden let the, Wooden, he would, sorry, Wooden let the top seven play most often. As a result, the top seven improved faster and won more games. Although the, this non-egalitarian system is tough, you think, Wooden's team won far more games than their competitors. Munger told students this non-egalitarian non approach works outside of the basketball court. For example, a patient doesn't pick a brain surgeon for their child by drawing straws. Applying Munger's approach in business means building a team based on who's right for the role and the company rather than trying to be equal and fair. It also means picking people for the key project based on their skills. Munter says, you want to provide a lot of playing time for your best players. So when he was saying to the students, he says, don't, don't try or don't bother to say it's not fair. Yes, it's not fair. Uh, you tend to play your best players and you tend to not play your best players. Even the little leagues, in the hockey leagues, uh, I was part of a hockey league. I was not in the elite. I was one of the defensemen. But when it comes the end of the game, I knew that my coach not would bench me, but I would play less a bit because he wants to win and it is competitive. So they tend to play their best players and it's, it's a way to go. And it's not that it's fun. It's not that it is fair. It's just that it is life and it is a competitive world. As a corollary to that, he says you should shun self-pity. Munger caution against self-pity for those concerned with advancing their careers or succeeding in business. He said, self-pity is always counterproductive. Cannot agree more. It's the wrong way to think. And there is a big wrong way sign on the article. You might drift into self-pity if you spend months working towards a promotion only for a colleague to get picked. Yes, being passed over is painful and it stinks. That's me. And you might feel a lot of hard work has gone to waste. And as far as a recent experience, I can say that it is exactly that. 
the, the, the fill in the mouth. Instead, he said, build up your strength via, uh, via, via a career coach or an internal mentor, or consider if you can cultivate a side income outside of your company. Similarly, you might feel the pain of spending thousands of dollars and investing hundreds of hours into a product that did not sell in business. Rather than wallowing, reflect on what went wrong and take action so it doesn't happen again. Munger said, when you avoid self-pity, you get a great advantage over everybody else because self-pity is a standard response. So again, it's very wise words for a very old man. He's 94 right now. And um, Munger is, is right about that. And, you know, you, you can see, I love, I love sports. And I watch NFL, hockey games and stuff like that. And, you know, when the, the team, the, the greatest guys, they are paid millions a year to play hockey, to play football. Some play golf, you know, you have Tiger Woods and all the gang. And me, I love the sports, yes. But what I love the most is to watch the face, the eyes, the shoulders, the, the reaction, the way they, they, they present themselves, the, the way they behave, the way they feel. That fascinates me. And you can see how they can be affected and when they are affected when they fall they fall into self-pity it can be uh, uh, the, the best i think one of the best ways to see it is in, uh, in tennis when you look at tennis players play against each other and how a bad point may affect and another one it will not affect them so self-pity is wrong and it can be in investing you, you can make an error with with your investment it can be an error at different places but when you fall into self-pity uh, it doesn't bring anything anything right in your life. I, I just, I'm just I'm talking to you right now, and I just remember an interview I had with uh, Jonathan. It's in June, May or June. It's the uh, the the young CFA first year, and um, he he told me that he, I was very impressed. He's 23, 24 years old, and he says that he every time he makes a, a transaction on the stock market. He writes the why, he writes his entry price, his out price, the why he chose it. And if he made a mistake, if he lost money, he always have a column to say, what did I do wrong? What mistake did I take? And to be able to assess his emotional state, his thinking state, so that he will not repeat that error again. It is on an Excel sheet on his computer. I was so <laughs> impressed by that. So it was not self-loathing, it was not self-pity, it was self-awareness and education about, uh, because we're not always perfect, of course, and we make mistakes, and sometimes we invest in something, we go into, into a direction, and it does not respond the way the way we, we do, the way we would have liked. Uh, this summer, <laughs> this summer we have a robin uh, that, that built a nest on our, near our home here, on our home actually, uh, outside the window. And we watched her build her nest and lay the eggs and day in and day out. It was beautiful, it was cool, it was fun. But then one morning we come back and there was two eggs missing. And the morning after, the, all the eggs were gone. Another bird ate the the, the, the the eggs we were like devastated we were very very sad and we never saw that robin again so she went she come one day and the eggs were disappe disappeared and they have been eaten because we haven't seen them on the on the ground and if she she was she's not a human she's a, a bird and i would think that she will have continue and do what a bird do and continue to eat and at the next cycle i don't know exactly what's the robin cycle she will build another another nest and she will be she will lay other eggs 
she will not go into self-pity. She cannot. She doesn't have the means for that. We have the reign to go there. We have the possibility to go there. So we have to fight against it. And it's not always easy. Uh, I've met people, I've coached people that are in that mode. And can be. I told you, it can be about money, it can be a bad, bad decision. And I think it's uh, it's good to have that advice. It's easy to say. It's less, I would say, uh, uh, it's tougher to actually execute. But to be aware that to shun selfie, to to go to don't to not go into that direction, and to try to go to seek a mentor, to seek a career coach. You know, I'm uh, I'm 56, and uh, oh, yeah, I told you my age. Maybe not. Maybe yes. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember all the podcasts. And uh, I'm seeking and uh, I'm seeking advice right now, and I'm going out. I'm giving advice because it's very, I'm, you know, pretty good at doing that. But when it comes to us, it's it's always good to have an outside view. It's always good to have somebody else look at your situation, and you can ask and and go and and have question. It's humbling, but I'm if the the only reason I'm sharing that with you is that if you are in a situation where you don't know if you should ask for help, you should. Because if you ask the question, you should. Um, when you're young, uh, sometimes, yeah, I'm young, I would go. But when you're over 50, 50 uh, and you have been in the career for a long, long time, I would say, if, especially if you're a white male, you have that ego thing going on and you want, you don't want to go out and you don't want to go to ask for help and you want to go that road because you're strong, you know. It's wrong. It's a wrong way. So I think it's good. I'm, I'm taking, I was not supposed to take that road, but hey, I'm, I'm, I, I tell I tell my uh, my life partner that I was going to be more and more in my heart. So that's what I'm going right now, and I won't edit it. So yeah, here you go. You have a 56 year old man that tell you if you hear that and if you think you should ask for help, you should ask for coaching. I'm not trying to sell myself thing, my coaching, but if you have people around you and, and you think you should ask and go for a coffee, ask for professional help for your career, for anything, go and get it, phone and, and do it, but don't fall into a self-pity. That's not a, a good path. That was Pierre-Luc Poulain, though sorry, sorry for the, some noises of my mouth, some accent, but hey, I don't edit it. I, I see that you're listening to it. I hope you enjoy it. And if you can drop me a line, I will absolutely appreciate it. I am on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the usual suspects. My place, of course, where I hang out the most is on LinkedIn. So thanks for listening. See you next time. Have a good week. Bye.